What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 55 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Paolo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. And Core, week 18, man, you couldn't write it up any better than this. I mean, normally the last week of the regular season is chaotic, but, I mean, chaotic isn't even the right word to describe this. You have to go even further than that. It was awesome, unbelievable to watch it unfold in front of our own eyes. And then the next day, Monday, we got an awesome national championship game. I'm excited to recap this with you, and let's get into it. Yeah, it was definitely a um, thrilling slash chaotic weekend of football, uh, week 18, and then obviously the national championship. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff happened. So, yeah, definitely uh, let's get into it. Yeah, we will start first in the NFL, of course. And we'll start early on. We'll kind of try to take you guys through the day as it unfolded. I mean, the biggest story we'll start with will be the Indianapolis Colts. They went to Jacksonville this week to play the Jaguars, the, at this time, the two-win Jacksonville Jaguars, only needing a win, and they would clinch a playoff berth. But because it's the NFL, it's the most unpredictable league out there. The Indianapolis Colts, honestly, they got punched in the mouth real bad. Jacksonville outplayed them in every phase of the game. They were physical with them. And a couple turnovers in the third quarter by Carson Wentz really buried the Indianapolis Colts' season. It's a tough way to go out for the Colts, like I mentioned. I mean, last week, they lose to the Raiders on a last-second field goal by Daniel Carlson. And then to lose to Jacksonville, when if you would have just won one of those games, you're in the playoffs. Uh, definitely a sour note for Frank Reich and company there. Yeah, I mean, for sure. The the Colts obviously started off 1-5. Or, yeah, I think it was 1-5. And, and then, yeah, I mean, you work your way all the way back. You're at 9-6. and six, You're in prime playoff position. you got to get one win at home against the Raiders or on the road against the Jags. And, and you can't win either one. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say, like, obviously, I know there's, like, a lot of people, like, saying, like, this game's all on Carson Wentz, which, like, I, I'd say definitely, like, some portion of the game is on Carson Wentz. But, like, for you guys to lose, for a team to lose to, like, a, a, at the time, a 2-14, and 14, like, Jaguars team on the road in the last game, I think, like, I, I, I don't think it's, like, all on Carson Wentz. I mean, it's got to be, like, a whole team effort. If you guys did not be able to beat um, a team like that, I don't know. Like, I didn't really see much of this game, but I just like looking at what happened. Uh, I mean, Trevor Lawrence probably had, like his best game of the year for the Jaguars, but I don't know what happened. I don't know. I don't know like how the the Colts are. Uh, I don't know how they how they choked us. This is pretty. It's pretty tough for Colts fans just to lose like back to back games like this and. Hey, I think we've said, like, the Colts are one of those teams, like, maybe a quarterback away from being a really good team, like the rest of their team, defense, um, obviously the run game, offensive line, like, they just have a really good overall team. And, like, we thought Carson Wentz could be the answer, but, I mean, he had a decent season, but, I mean, hey, when it, when it mattered uh, against Jacksonville, really didn't, really didn't have a great game. But, yeah, I mean, this Colts team, I think a lot of teams in the playoffs definitely dodged, like, a legit contender. Like, no offense to, like, the Raiders or the Steelers, but, like, everyone, no one, like, no one wants to see the Colts. Like, if you're like, who you rather see, the, the Steelers or the Colts, obviously everyone's going to say the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Colts obviously are a dangerous team. Unfortunate to see them uh, drop this game, but, hey, you got to give credit to the Jaguars here battling at 2-14 uh, at and 14 last game of the year. So, yeah, that's, how, that's my, like, stance on it. Luckily for the Jaguars, the Detroit Lions also won, which means that the Jaguars will have the number one pick 
in the 2022 NFL draft, which is good too. You know what I mean? You get to end your season on a win and still maintain that number one pick. That's good. Trevor Lawrence, you mentioned probably did play the best game of his young career. I know he had that awesome play too on like a high snap and he made an awesome mm-hmm. throw in the back end zone to Marvin Jones Jr. It was that type of day though for the Indianapolis Colts. Just nothing went right. I mean, Jonathan Taylor only runs for 77 yards on one of the worst defenses in the league. Not, not really going to cut it. And you mentioned Carson Wentz in the situation. That's definitely going to be something that the Colts will have to now reevaluate in the offseason. I'm not going to say that Carson Wentz necessarily played bad enough that you move on from him. But at the end of the day, we said the Colts have seven Pro Bowlers. They have the most Pro Bowlers in the NFL, right? They're one of the best rosters in the NFL outside of a quarterback position. When you're nine and seven or nine and six, excuse me, and then you lose two games back to back just to get into the playoffs. Definitely the quarterback is going to be under a lot of scrutiny. You'll look more into him and see uh, if he could really be that guy. I'm not sure now if Wentz could. I've definitely been a Wentz believer in the past couple of years, and I'm definitely uh have to dial it down a little bit now after seeing them lose and then being out of the playoffs. You're right, too. I mean, the Colts went from being a team that nobody wants to see in the playoffs now to a team that will not be in the playoffs. I know I saw that, too, somewhere. It's pretty funny how it works out that way, but – I think you could say it's one of the worst regular season losses in quite some time with what the stakes were for the Colts and being it that it was a Jacksonville team that if you actually just had absolutely no life. So I don't, it's, it's going to be a long off season for the Colts. Like I said, I think the Colts are one of the more talented teams, at least in recent memory that I'm thinking of that missed the playoffs. Like I can't think of a team. I mean, just recently, like I said, as two weeks ago, I thought the Colts had a legitimate shot to make a Super Bowl run and now they're on the street watching the playoffs. So, I mean, I can't think of a team, like I said, in the past couple of years that is better than this Colts team that missed the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, like you said, seven Pro Bowlers, this team, obviously, like, talent-wise, no doubt should be in the playoffs. Probably, like, I remember we, we did an episode um a few weeks ago, and we were like, who's, like, the who opposed the biggest threat atop to Kansas City? I think I said Indianapolis, like, you were right on with that. So, yeah, I, I don't know what happened. Uh, I think I don't know what what look, the future is with Carson Wentz. I know the Eagles get the get that first round pick now, so they're probably they're probably like laughing right now. I mean they 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 had Jalen Hurts uh, get into the playoffs and they send Carson Wentz to Indianapolis and they can't even get in. So I don't know. I think this team um, just has to regroup. I guess come back next year because I don't know. I still think this team obviously obviously a playoff team, but I don't know. I just think I don't know what is it what it is about Carson Wentz right now, but just um definitely unfortunate that uh this team's on the playoffs because honestly like from from a fan standpoint I'd honestly, like I think most people would rather see them in the playoffs make it um more competitive more entertaining but yeah I guess uh just wasn't meant to be. Yeah, at the end of the day, right? It just isn't meant to be. It's honestly bittersweet too that the Philadelphia Eagles will be in the playoffs after trading away Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz can't get back there. So I'm sure Eagles fans who were like, who got all that backlash, right? When they moved on from Carson Wentz, like, what are you doing with Jalen Hurts? And now Eagles fans got a grin ear to ear right now with the results that panned out. But listen, let's move on from the Colts. They're not going to be playing anymore because of that. A spot opened up in the playoffs in the AFC. I will go first with the Pittsburgh Steelers win in Baltimore because that win, like I mentioned, with the Colts losing, it opened up a spot for the winner of that game to potentially get in pending the Sunday night football game, which we'll get into a little bit there. And the Steelers and the Ravens, of course, that divisional battle there, you were going to get a hard-nosed, hard-fought game. TJ Watt ties Michael Strahan's sack record. I believe it was 
I can't exactly remember what part of the game. Maybe it was right before halftime, I want to say it was. So good for him there. I'm fortunate that he wasn't able to break the record, but at the end of the day, still tied it. But the Pittsburgh Steelers were victorious late in this game in overtime. They kicked the game-winning field goal thanks to Big Ben's fourth and eight conversion to Ray-Ray McLeod in this one that set them up for that game-winning field goal. I mean, it kept them alive and ultimately ended up getting them into the playoffs. The Steelers at 9-7-1, and if you ask me. I mean, you could argue that they're the worst playoff team, but they're in the playoffs. The Steelers, again, a well-coached team with a good defense. You never know what could happen come playoff time. I know, obviously, their offense is lacking any sort of explosiveness, as you asked me. They don't have a consistent run game at all. I know Najee Harris was a little banged up as well in this game against the Ravens. I'm curious to see how Tomlin and company, they try to attack the Chiefs offensively because, like, their defense is good enough, but their offense is just so far behind it that it's going to be interesting to see what they can devise at least to to stay alive. You know what I mean? You just got to win every week. Just take it one game at a time. But a huge win for the Steelers over the Ravens. And then, I mean, for the Ravens, absolute all-time collapse. I mean, you lose your last six games of the season. Definitely a bummer. I know a lot of injuries this year, but John Harbaugh is definitely not too happy there. Yeah, I mean, start with the Steelers. Um... Yeah, I'm honestly probably going to grant them the Steelers right now. Out of 14 teams, I'd probably put them at 14, maybe 13. Like, maybe i put the Eagles at 14. But, hey, Mike Tomlin um, hasn't had a losing season. I think, obviously, he deserves a lot of credit. Whether the offense is is really bad, he, he finds a way to get his guys out there and be somewhat competitive. So, like, hats off to him. Uh, Steelers in this game, I honestly, like, didn't watch that much of this game either, but hey, it was just like an AFC North battle between, um, yeah, just like two teams trying to get into the playoffs. I mean, both teams obviously saw Indianapolis losing. It's like they knew they needed this game. So, I mean, the Steelers come out on top. Uh, I don't know how they'll be able to handle the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think they'll really have an answer. There's going to be a lot of pressure on their defense, obviously, because their offense really has not gotten it done. Over the last, uh, I mean, basically all year, the offense really has been pretty bad. And then, yeah, for the Ravens, was a pretty bad collapse at 8-3, and three, once once upon a time sitting at the number one seed in the AFC. It's just a tough collapse. Just a lot of those games early in the year, like they're winning close, close games. A lot of, they had a lot of heartbreakers down, uh, down the stretch. I think, obviously, like Tyler Huntley, he stepped in and did a good job, but like, like towards like the like this game, like you saw like the presence of Lamar Jackson, uh probably I think you have Lamar Jackson down the stretch, I think just shows like they were eight and three, they probably need to win like at least one, two more games. I think if they have Lamar Jackson they probably do, but hey, injuries are a part of the game. I'm not really worried about the Ravens, I think next year. Uh I can't I don't see why like if Lamar Jackson's healthy and they get a lot of guys back, like they'll be right there in my opinion to win the uh to win the AFC North, I think Harbaugh is a good coach. So, not really worried about the Ravens. Just unfortunate uh, injuries to them uh, towards the middle to the end of the season. Yeah, and I don't want to like if I got to point to a game. If you ask me that, maybe I don't want to say broke the Ravens, but definitely derailed them this year. I would definitely. It's got to be that Miami game on Thursday night football. I think Baltimore mm-hmm. went into that game at, if I'm not mistaken, six and th- six and two. I want to say or maybe six and three they went. No, six and two I think they went into that. Not like I said, not one hundred percent sure. Yeah. But I just remember watching that game and the feeling coming out of it, just being like, 
Balt, like they just, like coaching wise, they just didn't adjust to anything. And it was really Lamar Jackson versus the world. I mean, you talk about to all the close games that they played. You start, you look at point differentials. It could be like a little misleading sometimes, but like, and your margin of victory, you know what I mean? It's like, it's just not sustainable when you're winning all these close games, like the Ravens, you know, like early on. I mean, yeah, they were again, had a great record, but their point differential wasn't great because any game that they would win was an absolute sweater. It's uh, like similar to the Raiders this year. I saw a stat today, like the Raiders are like 6-0 and in overtime games slash like game-winning field goal, like when they kick a game winners. Like that's insane. Like that's just not sustainable. For the Ravens, it wasn't early on. I think they were 4-1. and Yeah, they were 4-1, and and I remember coming on here and saying like they're a play away from being like 1-4 and or something like that. It was just that type. I mean, all those games early on, I remember. They got really lucky. and But – it caught up to them a little bit. Like you said, injuries, too much to overcome. They're well coached. They're well run that organization. It shouldn't be a long playoff drought there. Like I said, next year, you mentioned probably competing for an AFC North title. I'd agree with that. I think that the Browns will also be back. They had a disappointing season. The Steelers, unsure at quarterback, but it's a competitive division there. I mean, obviously the Bengals now, they seem like they're just like scratching the surface of what they could potentially be. So, it's getting harder in the AFC North, but for the Ravens, a long offseason to get healthy. And, uh, yeah, just, I guess just a bummer that they missed out on the playoffs this year. But at the end of the day, I think we, me and you could both say that with confidence they are not a playoff team. They didn't deserve to be there. So, in this case, I guess justice was served. Core with the Steelers' victory, it meant that they were in the playoffs unless the Raiders and the Chargers tied on Sunday Night Football. Core, I mean, we got potentially a game of the year in this Raiders-Chargers game on Sunday Night Football. I mean, it had absolutely everything, the drama. It was great. I mean, if you had to say right now, like, your was it your favorite game of the regular season? Oh, yeah, definitely was. I mean, I was watching this game, and I don't know why. Like, when um that, like, last play, like, end the game, I don't know what it was, fourth and something, I was just like, if he gets this, like, if they convert this and get this touchdown, like, this game's 100% going to its high. Like, just regarding the circumstances, they score the touchdown. I'm like, yo, this game's definitely going to be a tie. And then the Raiders kick a field goal to start. Then the Chargers kick a field goal. Like, I really thought this game was going to end in a tie. I don't know how that happens where, like, it just talked about and, like, it actually almost happened. But, yeah, I mean, this game was um was a really good game between two um AFC West teams. Pretty back and forth. Um, hey, the Chargers were down, what, like 15, then, um, mm-hmm. found their way back to, um, to get back into this game. And then at, at the end of, um, overtime, uh, hey, I don't know what Brandon Staley's, um, like thought process was, but hey, he called the timeout, obviously. Josh Jacobs went to the first down. Daniel Carlson hits the game winner. I mean, obviously a tough loss. I don't know if the, if the Raiders were gonna just concede and, be happy for the tie. I kind of think they were, but I mean, the Chargers had to get the stop on, uh, on what was it, third down or at that time anyway. And they called a timeout. I'm not saying if he didn't call a timeout, they would have got the stop anyway. So I don't know, but I think in this game, obviously Justin Herbert, um, showed why, like, he, he is all superstar material. Like, the future is just so bright for, for Justin Herbert. I don't see, like, this guy, I think this guy could be definitely be, um, an MVP in his future, just the way he throws the ball. And he converted a lot of fourth downs on that last drive. I mean, just hats off to him, even though they, they didn't come away with a win. I just think, like, Justin Herbert almost put this team 
I mean, it's obviously a team game, but, like, he almost put the team on his back and um, let him on some crazy drives. So, respect to him. But, hey, the Raiders, um, Derek Carr, just they've, they've overcome a lot. And for them to get, in the play, get into the playoffs, uh, I can respect that a lot. Interim head coach, like I said, a lot of uh, – lot going on with that team so if they if they finish this year 10 and 7 got themselves into a position where they just had to win and, and they were in uh, I definitely can respect that definitely a likable team so hey both these teams played hell of a game but hey the Raiders in the playoffs so uh hats off to them yeah listen a lot to unpack with this one like we said the stakes were high in this one I think it was my favorite game of the year because of that and I guess I'll start with like how it was a it was a fifteen point game late in the fourth quarter and sense like that. I thought that the Raiders, their pass rush was very good in this one. And Justin Herbert, I mean, you said he kind of put the team on his back. I know there's eleven guys on your offense, eleven guys. You, Justin Herbert carried this football team to keep them in the, the one. I mean, he went. He had converted six fourth down conversions on the last two drives. He went on a fourteen play touchdown drive, then went on a nineteen play touchdown drive just to tie this game. Brought them into overtime. It was unbelievable, like you said. He's becoming a superstar in this league. He already is one. I again, I know I maybe necessarily wouldn't, but if you told me if you were starting a franchise and you picked Justin Herbert as your QB, I would say that's a good choice. No doubt in my mind. He's one of the top quarterbacks in this league, and he's going to continue to get better. The biggest thing from this game, of course, that's going to be talked about is the timeout with Brandon Staley. There was 38 seconds left. It was a third down and four, I believe, on about the 38-yard line. I want to say so it would have been like a long field goal for the Raiders. And Steely calls a timeout with about three seconds left on the play clock. Here's my first thing that I'll say about it. You kind of mentioned this as well. If the chart, Brandon Staley called, calls this timeout probably with the anticipation that if he gets the stop, there's no way he can really lose because the Raiders would have never attempted a 56 yarder from where they were on the field. They would have punted the ball back knowing, all right, it's a tie. That's no problem. That helps us, which is what, which is what's crazy about this, that the tie helped both teams. Like, so they would have punted it back. The Chargers probably would have needed out too because they're like, oh, we're not, we don't want to do anything dumb right now and get a safety or turn the ball over and lose it with five seconds left where the tie helps us. You know what I mean? We'll just need the ball out. So the first, the biggest thing, if you ask me from this, the Chargers should have got the stop on the third down conversion, like on, on the Raiders third down conversion. You should have better personnel in the game. They were in like a dime look with one linebacker. That is the biggest thing with me. I guess where I'll go next is like, you can't anticipate like that a team is just going to play for the tie. I know it helped them, but like if Staley didn't call the timeout, right, the Raiders then probably run the football or may maybe they throw it, right? And if they get the first down, then everybody would have been like, oh, well, if you call the timeout and then got the stop, right, you would have been fine. So Staley was going to be wrong if, if it got messed up anyway. I know there was guys mouth that saying like we were going to – we were going to like run it out. And Derek Carr said that that timeout kind of changed the Raiders game plan. But I don't think Brandon Staley deserves necessarily as much criticism as you should get. I think it was a complete, like that's a situation you could really never prepare for. If you ask me, he was betting on his defense to get a stop. They didn't. I think that's the bigger problem here. And at the end of the day, it's, it's a shame that the chargers are out of the playoffs for, but I don't know. I'm, I'm again, I'm not necessarily, I didn't hate the timeout call because if the chart, it made the chart, the Chargers get a stop, the Raiders are punting the football back. I don't think, like, and it's over, and that's it. And the Chargers are in the playoffs if that happens. So that, that's what it came down to right? at the end. I know you could, but like, like, say this as well. 
What if the Raiders run the ball right on the third down? They get two yards. The Chargers think that they're just going to run it out, right? The clock, so they don't even call a timeout. The Raiders go out with with one second left on the um like on the game clock, right? And they call a timeout. And they're like, why not attempt this 58-yarder with Daniel Carson or 57-yarder, whatever it was? Because we just instead of playing the Chiefs, then we get to play the Bengals, right? We'd rather play the Bengals than the Chiefs. That's completely irrational. Daniel Carson drills the field goal. Then everybody's looking at Brandon Staley like, why didn't you call the timeout and let you let them kick a walk-off field goal? Yeah, it was an impressive kick, but what are you doing? So Staley was going to be in the wrong, if you ask me, whether, like, they, like as long as they got it wrong. I think he gave his team the best chance by giving them one stop, giving them a chance for one stop right there, and ultimately they didn't get it. So I know I kind of went on a little bit of a rant there, but uh, yeah. I don't know. That's just kind of like how I feel there with that situation. I don't know if you necessarily agreed with the timeout, though. I don't know. I probably, I don't really agree with the timeout. I mean, you make, you make some sense, but I feel if he doesn't call timeout and like, um, like the Raiders don't call timeout, but like they do run another play. Like, let's say they did throw it. I don't think they would have, but if they did and they convert it, like, I don't think Brandon Staley's getting like no one's saying anything bad about him. Like, why didn't you call the timeout? Because. Uh, unless he just didn't have, maybe didn't have the right personnel out there, but I don't think he's getting like a lot of um, criticism opposed to him calling the timeout. Because if he didn't call and they get it, they're like, oh, that's just, I mean, unlucky. Like your defense couldn't get stopped, but like you, you weren't like giving the Raiders like a reason to like run, like motive to run another play. Like the Raiders just did that on their own. I just think like Staley calling the timeout, like, stopped the clock, and, like, it just gave the Raiders, like, uh, another opportunity, maybe, like, run the ball. Like, they had a chance to go back to the huddle, like, go back to the sideline also, like, run the ball. They were going to run it anyway, probably, but, like, pick up a first down without the clock. Um, with, with the clock stopping, I just think, like, if, if he doesn't call timeout and they run the ball, I mean, even, even if they they pick up a few yards for the first down, are the are the Raiders probably calling timeout and kicking the game winner, or are they letting the clock run out? They're probably they're probably kicking it. Honestly, I just think like it's not all on Staley. Like the defense just couldn't get that that stop anyway. But I think definitely um, him calling a timeout and the clock stopping might have just like gave the Raiders more of a motivation to run like a solid play I, I think like they probably would have got the first down anyway if he didn't call timeout but it definitely like like run more purposely for the first down like you stop the clock they got time I, I don't know I, I don't think it's all on Staley I just think like him calling timeout it obviously did change the Raiders um narrative so I don't know I'm definitely not with the timeout but like I guess it wasn't a terrible um call I just I don't know. I probably would have let the clock run like most people. I'm pretty casual about it. But, yeah, I mean, that's how I think about it. Yeah, I like how you do mention, though, that the timeout did give the Raiders at least a chance to reassess their their play call, right? It was a high-stakes play. So, from that point, you know what I mean? I can get on board with that argument of don't call the timeout there because it was late in the play clock. The Raiders didn't necessarily – like they weren't, like, completely lined up and everything. You know what I mean? The Raiders honestly might have ended up burning a timeout of themselves and running the ball, which I think is another completely possible outcome that could have happened with this. But besides the fact that Brandon Staley also be a little bit under the fire because 
of what happened earlier in the game when he went for it in his own end on fourth and one. That's just who Brandon Staley is, though. He believes in all the win probabilities and stuff like that and situations that increase them or decrease them. Again, my my favorite thing so far about Brandon Staley throughout this whole year is at least he has an identity and he will not get off of it. You know what I mean? I don't like when coaches have a certain brand and then you start pulling back that, that you're scared. You know what I mean? Brandon Staley will look every situation like – he, he takes kind of emotion out of his decision-making is what I want to say. And that's kind of what you have to do at certain points. Yes, you can mention that it blows up. And your whole argument could be like like, at, like analytics is such an umbrella term now, right? That like people will look at stealing and be like, oh, analytics is bad for football. But like there's so much to analytics. Like that's just a certain part of it. You know what I mean? So don't be necessarily so foreign to the idea of going for two down 14, which makes complete sense, if you ask me, where compared to this, going for it on fourth. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's completely different. Like, it's just, like this, everything is just analytics. But with that being said, like, it, 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 you're, I'm not necessarily sure if Staley's style will work. I guess you could say this year, sometimes it did. I remember we were talking about this a couple of days ago. Like, that Chiefs game, the first one, they probably don't win if it's not for Staley's aggressiveness. But then again, the second Chiefs game, they definitely win, and they lost that one in overtime if Staley takes his points instead of going for it all the time. So, you know what I mean? It's kind of a trial and error. It's a newer philosophy in the game of football. It'll definitely start to work itself out. We'll start to see more results of it. But, like I said, I tip my cap to Brandon Staley that he's not afraid. He's not going to deviate. Like He's not going to fold, if you ask me. He's going to stay with his style, his philosophy, what he believes in, and he's going to go with it 150%. And to that, I can praise him for that, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think sometimes Brandon Staley is definitely way too aggressive. Like, going for a, like a long fourth and one at either like your own 18 or 19-yard line, probably not a smart idea. But like, like you said, I can respect him like consistently just the – the mindset, like, thought process is, like, oh, we're going for this, like, fourth down, um, like, reasonable territory. I guess any territory at this point, like, a short short fourth down, like, you know, Staley's pulling the trigger. He's going for it. Uh, I guess I can get behind it. I think sometimes it's definitely way too much. Uh, yeah, his mindset is aggressiveness. I think earlier in the year, like, against the Chiefs, like, it was working out more. I think a lot of times towards like the end of the year in big games it kind of burned them but I guess that's like that's just the way um the way it goes like if you're going to be aggressive you got to live with the good and the bad and I guess I can respect that from uh from his standpoint I think um I think going for it yeah definitely going for it you're on like 19 it's definitely risky it didn't really hurt them that much they only they held him to a field goal but yeah like yeah you just got to live you got to live or die by your aggressiveness, and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. So, yeah, definitely, I can, I can respect it. Yeah, I can respect it. I just think sometimes a little too much. But uh, at the end of the day, it's just it's part of the game, and that's that's the way he coaches. So um, the Chargers front office are right with that. I guess um, that's all that matters, really. So I think Staley's definitely going to be – he's def- obviously going to be the coach next year. I think maybe uh, he'll, he'll reflect off a lot of some stuff that he did this year. But as a whole, I think he did a a good job in his first year. Yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert continued to grow and now has blossomed even more this season in his second one. So I think overall that's a success for Staley. The Chargers got better as a team, had a better record. That's a success. Is it a damper that they're not going to be in the playoffs when, if you ask me, they should probably be in the playoffs? Yes, 
but first year for Brandon Staley, I think you would say the Chargers, it's bitter right now, but in a couple weeks you'll look back on it and you'll be like, you know what? It was a good season for the Los Angeles Chargers. Our future is bright. And uh they got a lot of time now to think about their uh their aggressive attack and how it will be maybe modified come next year to better produce results. I mean, it also didn't help that the two games that really it didn't work were both primetime games against the Chiefs and the Raiders. So if you want to also look at that, just a little bit of a unfortunate event. One last thing I'll mention about this game real quick. Daniel Carlson should definitely get more love as being one of the best kickers in the National Football League. I feel like you hear kickers and who's the best kicker. It's automatically Justin Tucker, Justin Tucker. And I'm not saying Daniel Carlson's better than Justin Tucker, but I mean, can we get this guy in like a top five, top three conversation? I mean, what, he's kicked five game winners this year or something like that? He kicked one against the Dolphins. He kicked one against the Cowboys, the Colts. This one, the guy's unbelievable. I don't want to jinx him for this these playoffs or something like that, but Daniel Carson has been the man, a guy who was cut from the Vikings years back, and Mike Zimmer was kind of pretty mean in his press conference with him. I mean, he was like, did you see the game? That's why I got cut. Daniel Carson took it personal, and now for the Vegas Raiders, he's taking game winners in front of an electric crowd there at Allegiant Stadium. Good for Daniel Carlson, and good for the Las Vegas Raiders for being in the playoffs, man. I mean, I, I guess I kind of got a little tailed off on the fact with the charge and this timeout stuff, but you mentioned it earlier. What the Raiders have dealt with this year, unbelievable that they're in the playoffs. Hats off to Derek Carr and really everybody there. Rich Bisaccia, the interim head coach, has done a great job. Their defense is kind of coming around a little bit. I know they struggled a little bit in the fourth quarter down the stretch. But uh, the Raiders, and listen, they're hot and they kind of seem like they have that little destiny feel to them with everything that's came along to them. So I'm not saying that the Raiders are this talented team that teams should be scared of in the AFC. But I'm also not saying that you shouldn't, like, you shouldn't overlook the Raiders there. They're, uh, they're more than capable of beating any team in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, for sure, the Raiders, something about them right now, I'm not saying they don't really, like, they don't really have a great offense, and their defense obviously, like, isn't great. But like you said, I kind of feel it, too. Like, they just got that type of team of destiny feel. Do I think they make a deep run in this playoffs? No, I think, I mean, hey, if they, I think, I'd say their ceiling is actually, I guess I think they can make it to, like, the AFC Championship game if, they're able to to beat Cincinnati and then face Tennessee in the in the divisional round. I think I, I don't think this team could like get out of the AFC, but that's tough for uh what a five seed. But yeah, I mean Derek Carr uh, numbers like recently haven't been pretty, but uh, this guy is just very like gutsy player. Um, I don't know. They, I mean they're not going to be at home for any games unless they got to like the AFC Championship game. They played the. Uh, the six seed, which probably isn't going to happen, but, or, oh, yeah, six seed, but, yeah, I mean, um, but, like, both sides of the ball, they're, like, an all right team, but I guess just, like, they've had a lot to co- overcome this year, so, um, I don't know, they got, like, that hunger that maybe some other teams don't got right now. I hope, I don't think they're satisfied to just be in the playoffs. I think they think they could win this game. I think they could, too, so, uh, I think the Raiders are just a great story this year, and, uh, I don't know, it's just a fan from a fan standpoint, like I hope the Raiders could um could have some success in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Me too as well. It would be an awesome story for this season. Real quick to wrap up kind of the rest of the AFC playoff picture. Obviously that kind of took a little while, but you know what I mean? It definitely should. That was unbelievable. Like I said, how it unfolded on Sunday. I mean, you couldn't script it any better the way it went. The Titans locked up the number one seed 
in the AFC with a win at Houston. They went up early in this one. Houston roared back with 18 unanswered points to make this a real close game. In the end, Tennessee ends up prevailing. I believe they scored a late touchdown to put it up, to put them up 10. They didn't look back in this one. For them, that means they get a bye. means they have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. It also means that Derrick Henry gets another week of rest, which means he probably will be good to go, it looks like, in the divisional round of everything checks out, which is good for them. Unfortunate for the Chiefs, if you ask me, who probably, if you ask me, are the best team right now in the AFC. I mean, it's fair to say otherwise. The Chiefs haven't necessarily been on their A game the past two weeks, the game that they lost to the Bengals, and even this week, a tough, like, a hard-fought win against Denver that they really got a huge play from Melvin Ingram late in. So, good for the Tennessee Titans. I've definitely given them a lot of slander. I don't give them maybe the recognition that they deserve, but they're a hard-nosed football team that Mike Vrabel always has ready to play against some other good football teams. So hats off to them. You know what I mean? I, like I said, I don't necessarily think they're number one seed material. I think if you look at the Titans and the Packers, the two number one seeds in the league right now, I think the talent gap is huge between them. And what like, but at the end of the day, they earned it. So I'll tip, I'll tip my cap to that. Right. Yeah. I mean, Titans, obviously um, the chiefs losing in, in week 17, open the door. And yeah, I think Mike Vrabel, as a head coach, um, I've, I've personally, I've personally liked them. Obviously, like since that run, um, two years ago where they got to the AFC Championship game, I think he's like really shown like he's one of the best head coaches in the NFL. Um, to be without like your centerpiece of your offense, Derrick Henry, and weather the storm, not only get into the playoffs, win your division, but get the number one seed in the playoffs to give Derrick Henry another week of rest. I think is um. It's crucial. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, I know he had a good game against um, the Texans, but, like, through the course of the year, he really hasn't hasn't um, hasn't done great, to be honest. But, hey, they've, they and, and they haven't even had A.J. Brown for some of the year. Julio Jones obviously been banged up. So, I don't know. I think for this team to be the number one seed, I think their defense definitely stepped up a lot. And... I don't know. Like on paper, the, the Chiefs probably should be the number one seed in in uh in the playoffs. But I think also like the Chiefs are obviously a better team. They probably don't need the home field. If they if they did mean the AFC Championship game, I think it means more to Tennessee. Like I think Kansas City can go into Tennessee and get a win. But hey, I think if Tennessee can get back Derrick Henry, and I don't know if he's going to be a hundred percent, but if they can get back eighty to ninety percent of Derrick Henry. With A.J. Brown on the outside, maybe Julio Jones able to come alive a little bit. I know he had a decent game this past Sunday. Uh, I wouldn't count out, like, as number one seed in the AFC, I think they're probably one of the most disrespected number one seeds, like, in a while. Like, I don't know if anyone's given this team any type of respect, and they probably like that. I think this team that, obviously, like, two years ago um, made, like, a pretty underdog story last year came up short against the Ravens, but hey, I think it's the number one seed. They're probably one of the most slept on number one seeds um, from a long time that I can remember, but if they get Derrick Henry back, I think this team could definitely um, make a run in the AFC, in my opinion. I think he's that much of a difference maker, and yeah, I think they could if, if, if he comes back at like 80-90%. You're 100% right. The Titans do thrive on that kind of like underdog mentality, and I mean, with the number one seed right now, they kind of still have it. I mean, you're definitely pegging a lot of other teams in the AFC, if you ask me, over them. Definitely Buffalo, if you ask me. 
still Kansas City. I mean, Tennessee beat both of those two teams, which is crazy. That's how, but and that's still how I think about it. I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals are getting a lot of love too. I know if those two teams potentially face off next week uh, or yeah, next week in the divisional round, it could potentially, you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe the Bengals get a lot of hype and stuff like that. And the Titans are like, whoa, 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 what, what about us? I mean, we are the number one seed. We deserved it. We're a good football team there, but good for the Tennessee Titans court. Let's bring this over to the NFC. There was one spot left in the playoffs to be decided. It was one of the wild card spots. If the Saints were to win and the 49ers were to lose, the Saints would be in. Any other scenario, the 49ers would be in. And it was looking real good for the Saints. The Saints went up on the Atlanta Falcons. They ultimately ended up beating them. They took care of business. And the Los Angeles Rams were up 17 nothing in the second quarter. And Sean McVay was 45-0 and at half when leading. So if you were a Saints fan, you were probably real happy. But San, the San Francisco 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, they said not so fast. They have figured out. The Rams, it seems like Garoppolo, I think, is like 6-0 and or 6-1 and against the Rams in his career. I mean, a late fourth-quarter comeback, he leaves them on a nice drive with a Jawan Jennings touchdown with 26 seconds left. And then in overtime, they end up winning. Stafford ends up throwing an interception, too, on the comeback drive in overtime. That seals the game. For the 49ers to get this last playoff spot, I am ecstatic for, I think, the 49ers. If the 49ers and the Colts were both out of the playoffs, I would have been so upset because I thought those were the two teams – like the two teams that didn't win a division that could really make noise in the playoffs. So I love the 49ers being in there. I love what they do offensively. Good. I want to see Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel, George Kittle uh, on a playoff stage again. I mean, just two years ago, they made that Super Bowl run. I know they were the number one seed that year, but who knows who says that they can't do it again. I know maybe not as talented of a team. Their defense isn't as good, but for them to come back in this game against the Rams, it's definitely eye-opening. I mean, the Rams, again, it's not like they were playing for nothing. The Rams, if the Rams won that game, they clinched the NFC West. They like they played everybody and they were going 150%, but absolutely awesome comeback for the San Francisco 49ers. I was pumped to see them win. Yeah, I mean, I was checking the bot, I was checking like, uh, the scores and I see Saints up and Niners down 17. Nothing like definitely would have been another thing like for, for, I think the Colts and the 49ers both similar in the tight, in the thing like neither team was going to win their division, but both teams could get in as like a six or seven seed and possibly like be a team no one wants to see. Obviously the Colts came up short and I thought the, uh, the Niners were going to come up short, but hey, to come like to come down from a, to come back from a 17 nothing lead in, in Los Angeles against, um, one of the best teams in the NFL. I think that's certainly. Um, that's definitely just tip your cap off. Tip your cap to them. Kyle Shanahan, I know Debo Samuel threw a t- Debo Samuel just, I think right now, like, absolute just like pure playmakers in the NFL. He's, I, I don't even know. I probably put like Tyree Kill up there probably, but I don't know. Debo Samuel's just versatility to, to run, catch passes. I even threw for a touchdown this game. I just think like top three playmaker in all of football right now. He might even be like, might be top two. Might I don't know. I'd probably put Tyreek up there, but like he he's definitely up there. But yeah, this 49ers team. I'm glad they got in the playoffs. Um, made that comeback one in overtime. Uh, yeah, I think this is a team right now. Like if it was the Eagles and the Saints, I think that um those two and three seeds would probably feel like pretty good because like realistically, uh, the Saints have a good defense, but just the quarterback situation's kind of not great. The Eagles obviously. Haven't really beaten anyone good this year, so I think the 49ers definitely add an element that, like, 
someone didn't want to play them, and unfortunately, like the Dallas Cowboys are going to have them first round. I think that'll be a good game. I think, like, I think if you ask ten people who's going to win that game, like, at least four people are probably saying Forty ers So it's not really that much of an upset. So yeah, this Forty ers team is definitely a dangerous, dangerous squad. I mean, two years back they actually made it to the Super Bowl. Obviously, some different pieces, a lot of the same pieces are on this team. So yeah, I think this Forty ers team definitely very dangerous. And certainly, like, a team like Dallas, like, kind of didn't want to see. But, yeah, I think that should be a good game uh, this Sunday. Yeah, unfortunate break for Dallas. I'm sure they definitely were upset that the Rams couldn't hold on. The Rams are upset because, I mean, who knows, potentially an NFC championship matchup against the 49ers. That could, I mean, and the Green Bay Packers, too, as the one seed. I mean, the San Francisco 49ers, yes, I know they beat them. This year, earlier in the year, but the 49ers gave them a good game. They came back in that one. I know Green Bay beat them in 2020, but I remember the 49ers dealing with all sorts of COVID. In 2019, the 49ers absolutely chewed up the bench, spit them out in the regular season and in the NFC Championship game. So, I mean, that's just a team that you're just like, like the Packers are just like, oh, man, are you, like, are you kidding? Like, these pesty guys. So, We'll see. We'll have to wait. Hopefully the 49ers, for their sake, they can beat Dallas and maybe set up a rematch with the Green Bay Packers from a couple years ago in that NFC championship game. Core, we're going to move on to some teams who will not be in the playoffs, and instead these teams fired their head coaches. Obviously Black Monday, which the day after the regular season, a lot of coaches, a lot of GMs get fired. We'll talk about the five that did happen. Vic Fangio was fired from the Denver Broncos. Matt Nagy from the Bears. Mike Zimmer from the Vikings. Brian Flores from the Dolphins, which to me and really everybody is the most surprising. And Joe Judge from the New York Giants was fired on Tuesday. I mean, definitely a lot of change. Normally, I'd say you get five to six head coaching jobs open. I think last year maybe eight were. A couple interim jobs that might even open up too so we could get it potentially up to seven new head coaches in the league next year. Uh, Core, I'll go with you first. I think kind of know the answer. I feel like it's kind of obvious. But uh, is the most surprising head coaching fire Brian Flores? I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, there had to be some, uh, some like, things that we don't know about. I think I, think I heard that the relationship between um, Tua and Brian Flores might have not been great. Like, I saw something that um, Brian Flores, like, didn't really want to draft Tua Tagovailoa. He he was more on the Justin Herbert bandwagon. And I don't know. I don't know. The front office, I guess, like, didn't want issues with that. But, like, hey, all respect to, to Tua and all respect to Justin Herbert, but, like, I don't know. I, I think like you look at that. I I, I saw something like his pl- the players on the team obviously were um were supporting Brian Brian Flores and it just seemed like I don't know he had that team playing come back from a one and seven start. Uh, obviously last year almost made the playoffs. This year had another like solid season, but like the front office unless it was like really bad. Like how are you gonna penalize and fire a guy for honestly being being right? If he wanted Justin Herbert and you drafted Tua and obviously Justin Herbert is like a bona fide superstar right now. Tua Tagovailoa is kind of just like, I'm not saying like Tua is not going to be a star in this league, but right now, probably in the middle of pack of um of quarterbacks. So I mean that kind of kind of surprises me. I, obviously, it's surprising for for Brian Flores to get fired, but if if he was right on that, I guess like maybe you just don't want any like team drama around uh, around the Dolphins. But hey, I think for sure Brian Flores to get um to get fired definitely. Very surprising. I don't think he'll have a, a difficult time 
getting another um, spot in the NFL, whether it's a defensive coordinator spot or a head coaching spot. I think definitely qualified for both. But, yeah, I think over the last two years and just, like, the foundation he's built in Miami, I think Brian Flores is definitely deserving. I think he will get a, another job in, uh, in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I don't get how Flores survives the one and seven start and then gets fired at nine and eight. And I know it looks like that there's kind of a power struggle. I was reading into this between the general manager there and the head coach, but like, I, I, just why didn't you fire him then when you were one and seven? Like, has it gotten that bad then over the past seven weeks when you guys were winning? I'm all for, I think, look, I think it's, it has to be like, there has to be great communication between your head coach and your general manager, which is why, I mean, I'll get into this in a second with the Giants. Like, they got to be on the same, like, you know what I mean? You don't, like, you, you don't fire, how, how, how do I want to put this? They, they, all right, I'll, I'll just keep it as simple. Like, I'll keep it as simple as they just, they have to be on the same page. They can't have fighting philosophies. They can't be torn on different directions everywhere. So I don't necessarily maybe hate the idea that if, you guys aren't like that. You know what I mean? We have to be a team. You move on from one of them, right? Maybe then it's a question of should it have been Brian Flores or should it have been the general manager? I'm not sure how ownership really necessarily feels about the general manager. I think – I can't think of it. Chris Guerrero, I want to say, is the general manager in Miami now. But besides the point, Brian Flores shouldn't have a problem getting one of these open jobs for sure. I think he definitely will. And if not, of course, he'll probably go to New England to be the defensive coordinator there. So great for New England, right? They get another great coach to add to that staff. So that's unbelievable there. Core, any of these other jobs kind of uh, – actually, Core, I'm going to talk a little more on the Giants job here now just because, like I said, I have a little bit more experience, obviously, watching the Giants. Of course, I follow them. Those are my guys there with Joe Judge. And I mentioned that earlier with the Brian Flores situation and stuff like that. I mean, the Giants, David Gettleman reti- retires, quote-unquote, because you know I mean, they didn't, they didn't really want to fire him and stuff like that. So – he leaves. The Giants have an opening at GM, and it looked like they were going to stay with Judge. But that's the problem. Like, you can't force a coach on a general manager. Like I said, those two guys have to be a tandem. They have to work together on everything. So I was getting real worried that that could potentially set the Giants back. I also thought that Joe Judge would have been on the hot seat instantly from day one, that if the Giants lost the first two games of the regular season next year, you're firing him. And then what about all the new coaches that he just hired in the offseason because the Giants need a whole new offensive staff at least? So that would they like what would they do? So it could have been a mess if they stayed with Judge. The one thing I'll say about this is Joe Judge. He's a good guy. You know what I mean? I think that Joe Judge has potential to be a head coach in the National Football League. I also think that the Giants didn't really have another choice but to fire him. I think it sucks that you have two or uh, three coaches in the last six years, none of them staying for more than two years. That's definitely a bummer. I think that Joe Judge took a lot of good steps last year. I think he took a couple steps backwards this year. His clock management wasn't great. And I think the biggest thing is that sometimes he just necessarily didn't back what he preached. And maybe he didn't believe as much in his players as he would preach. I know, obviously, it's been that meme going around about the Giants' third and nine QB sneak in, like, a wishbone formation on the four, on their own four-yard line. You know what I mean? Like, that stuff is just unacceptable in the National Football League. They were an embarrassment. They were the embarrassment of the NFL the past six weeks. They got blown out every single week. It wasn't even competitive without Daniel Jones out there. So I think ultimately when you're the head coach of the New York Giants, the writing's on the wall there. Like you could, that, that stuff might slide in like a smaller market, like a Cleveland, like a Detroit. But when you're in New York, that stuff, no bueno, can't do it. So like I said, I think Joe Judge has the potential. I think maybe he was in 
a little over his head right now with the Giants. He's still a young guy. I'm sure he's got a great background. He'll probably go back to New England or maybe even Alabama because he's worked with Nick Saban before. So from that point, I'm a little upset because I thought Joe Judge had potential for the Giants. But at the same time, it was a move that they absolutely had to make. And uh, it's a new chapter in Giants football. They got to hire a GM. They got to hire a new head coach. I think it's a pretty attractive opening, if you ask me. I think their salary cap situation isn't great, but with two picks in the top 10, definitely good. And I know their roster, yeah, I said their salary cap was bad because they have a couple good pieces on that roster. So uh, I'm curious what you think about the Giants position relative to, like, these other ones. Like, how do you feel? Like, what do you think is the best position for a co- uh, for a potential head coaching candidate? Yeah, I think the Giants are up there amongst um amongst these teams. I think if I'm looking, I think like they're all relatively like attractive. I think the Giants obviously like playing New York. Um, I think for Joe Judge though, like I'll be like I'll give him. I think it was tough. Like the team did really bad, but like I think had like Mike Glennon at starting quarterback. Ah, uh, he's probably the worst quarterback. He's probably the worst quarterback playing like in the NFL. Amongst all thirty-two teams, amongst those yeah, guys, don't, don't 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 say probably, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, no, nah, yeah, he was, he was. So I don't know. Joe Judge obviously like he didn't really have much to work with with a quarterback like Mike Lennon. So I, I mean, I thought he didn't do good, but like I, I hope he can get a job somewhere else because like Mike Lennon kind of nah, he didn't kind of he he sold he sold um, Joe Judge. He kind of just like did not get the job done in offense. But if I'm looking at these teams. Um, I think, I think being in New York definitely helps, um, the Giants. I think like all these, a lot of these, um, a lot of these, um, positions are like attractable. I'd say like number one, I'd probably put the Minnesota Vikings, Mike Zimmer. I think they have at all these teams, I think they got the most talented roster. Uh, I mean, Kirk Cousins at quarterback, maybe not the most attractable quarterback. I mean, he's been like, a good veteran. Uh, I, I, he's had a good. He's honestly had a good career at Michigan State, but like, he, I think kind of feel like he is what he is. But like, I'd still say it's probably the most attractable, just because like they have a really talented roster. In my opinion, they got good skill position players. They have a solid defense, so I'd say that's attractive. I think the Denver Broncos also are in a similar position where they they have a really good team. It's just the quarterback position. So I don't know. I'd say the. I think the three most attractable. I'd say. The Vikings in the Broncos, I think the Dolphins and Bears, like they have two young quarterbacks, but I think they're not as talented as like the the Vikings and Broncos. And I just think the Giants, like being in New York with the cap space and just like the opportunity, like the Giants are just like a pretty historic franchise. So yeah, I think I put the Vikings in the most tractable spot, but I think the the Broncos and the Giants are two like certainly um, very tractable spots. Um, for a hire of a head coach also. Yeah, if you ask me, there's, like, no clear front runner at all. I mean, last year, it was kind of like, if you ask me, I thought the Chargers were a really good one because of Justin Herbert and where he was in his development. But, yeah, I feel like it's just, like, kind of what you want. Like, if you want to go for a little bit of a longer build, I think the Jaguar spot, obviously, I don't think Darren Bevel will be brought back there. So I think that's a good one, obviously, with Trevor Lawrence. Similar to this, in the same sense with the Bears and Matt Nagy, like, well, formerly Matt Nagy's position, I think that with Justin Fields there, too, you know what I mean? If, you, if you're high on him, I think that's a good spot to go with a young quarterback that they've already decided. They don't really have a whole lot of anything else. But 
I guess they have Justin Fields there. I think if I wanted to go young quarterback, I'd probably lean Jacksonville because of like, I just think they have more assets than the Bears. But again, if you're more Fields over Lawrence, then different story. I think the Vikings and the Broncos, like you kind of mentioned, are similar in the sense that they both have really good rosters, if you ask me. So kind of if you want to win now or sooner, I guess, you'd probably go to one of those places. Especially if the Broncos were to bring in a quarterback, I think they're definitely a quarterback away from being a playoff team. The Vikings, too, I think. Even next year, if they make a couple improvements on their roster, they're right there with the playoffs. The Dolphins, if you ask me, I, I guess, like, I'd put them, like, on the lower end of it, which is crazy if you ask me even, too, how they moved on from Brian Flores. And the Giants, too. I mean, also, it helps that you're coaching the New York Giants. You know what I mean? You're in the big city. The Raiders potentially could open up with Rich Passaccia. I don't know if it will because, I mean, he's got them in the playoffs. But I think that's a decent spot as well. Obviously, you're playing in Vegas, too. I mean, I think a couple of the guys who could potentially fill these spots, guys like Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, Byron Leftwich, offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Kellen Moore, another OC for Dallas Cowboys. I know obviously a bunch of defensive guys, too. I mentioned those four offensive guys just because I feel like over the past like couple of years, you see a lot of these offensive guys getting hired and really ascending to the top. So I think that that'll be a common thread this year, especially with how qualified some of these assistants are, how good their offenses are. I know another guy that'll be big, we're going to get into him a little bit later when we talk about our college, but Jim Harbaugh has been a name circling around. Curious to see if he makes the jump into the NFL. All the time I know Jim Caldwell, Doug Peterson, other guys, former head coaches interviewing for jobs like the Jacksonville spot. So there's definitely a lot of available coaches. I know that more than qualified for these positions for each. I mean, being a fan of the Giants, being a fan of a team that doesn't have a head coach, I'm excited for the process, a little worried, but definitely excited. You know what I mean? For teams that don't make the playoffs and stuff like this, it's an opportunity for us to kind of uh, get an outlook on next year, already starting to look ahead and really start to uh, think what potentially type of team we could be next year. All right, Corey, let's get back on to the playoffs side of things. Before we get into our game picks, we're just going to kind of recap where we were on our Super Bowl pick prior in the beginning of the year and where we are on it now. Core, I want to say off the top of my head, I know you had the State Farm Super Bowl, but who'd you have winning in that one? I think I had the Chiefs. I don't really. I think I was going to lean I was going to lean Chiefs as well. I'm almost positive you took the Chiefs. I'm pretty sure I, I just wanted to Chiefs. make sure on that. Yeah, yeah, no, I took the Chiefs. All right, so yeah. are we staying with the Chiefs, Core? That's what I want to know. Right now, before the playoffs start, are we staying with the Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, if I picked them at that time, I don't think they like went through like a, like a little bit of like a tough stretch at that point. Like, I don't think they were like four and four. So, hey, I think at this point, number two in the AFC, I could hop off shift and pick like a team from the NFC, but like the Chiefs are already pretty, pretty chalk. They're kind of a big favorite anyway. So, hey, I'll, I'll stay with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think, I think Patrick Mahomes gets a second, uh, gets a second Super Bowl win. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to kind of stay in a similar sense that I picked the Rams in the preseason. And you know what? They're in the playoffs. They look good. I'm not changing it. I'm going to stay with the Los Angeles Rams. I believe they are one of the most talented teams in the league. I think that they get Cam Akers back, which is a huge boost for their run game. I think you're going to see a lot of Cam Akers this coming playoffs. I really do believe that. I know Sony Michelle has done good for them sleep on Cam Akers, and if he's good to go, like health-wise, they're going to try to get him acclimated real quickly in that one. So, yeah, I'm going to stay with the Rams. I think that they can beat anybody in the league. I know that they can beat anybody in the league 
Uh, I think they're the second best team in the NFC right now behind the Green Bay Packers. It sucks that they're the four seed that they'd have to go to Lambeau in the second round, uh, avoiding, like not avoiding the Packers, at least until the NFC championship game. But who knows? Maybe if the 49ers win, which uh, I will spoil my pick then, I believe that they will, then the Rams do avoid Lambeau, at least to the NFC championship. There's definitely a possibility for that. So I'll stay with the Rams as well. I think that uh, hopefully Odell Beckham Jr., gets his first Super Bowl ring. I had to throw in a little homer pick right there. But, Cora, with that being said, we are going to finally bring it in to our game picks for the wild card round. We got six games. We got two on Saturday, three on Sunday, and then a Monday night football game. I don't know if I would say it's an advantage or a disadvantage for the team playing on Monday because, I mean, like, you might have a shorter week for the divisional round, but, I mean, you have an extra day of preparation for your first playoff game, which, I mean, a lot of these teams will just tell you, you know what I mean? You just got to win the first game. Nobody's looking ahead, just win the first one. So I know the Cardinals and the Rams, they've played twice this year. They kind of know each other. So you could say maybe they don't need the extra day, but they're going to get it on Monday night. But scratch that, Cole. We ain't going to Monday night yet. We got to go to Saturday first. It's an AFC day on Saturday. We'll start with the Vegas Raiders. Five-and-a-half-point underdogs traveling to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. The Bengals clinched the AFC North in Week 17. They didn't play really anybody in Week 18. We'll see how Joe Burrow and company are back in this one. I mentioned earlier the Raiders just seem like they got a real good feeling about them, a real good story. I also mentioned that their defense has stepped up tremendously in the, down the stretch in this one. These two teams played earlier in Vegas, and Cincinnati really got after them. Joe Mixon ran the football like crazy, I remember, in that one. I think Jamar Chase caught two touchdowns. Didn't have a lot of yards, but I'm almost positive. Or maybe one touchdown in the game. Not entirely sure. With that being said, I think with the strides the Raiders have made defensively, I think they're going to keep this one real competitive. I'll take the Raiders to cover. I do ultimately think Cincinnati is just way more of a talented team, and I'll take them to win. I think this is a spot I've mentioned all year as Cincinnati can be very fluky. I think that with the weak rest, it could hurt them. It also could definitely help them. Don't get me wrong there. I'll go with, like I said, I'll go with the Bengals to win. I will take the Raiders to cover. I think that they have a chance to get after Joe Burrow. And Max Crosby, again, will be able to like display on a national stage why he's one of the best edge rushers in the National Football League. That guy is relentless. He is unbelievable. But uh, I ultimately think the Raiders' Cinderella story falls a little short in this one, and the Bengals will move on to the second round. Yeah, I mean, I think this should be um, a good game. I think the Bengals – we're like one of the most inconsistent teams in in football, but I think of like the last uh, three weeks, like they've they've been playing. I know like this week uh, they rest a lot of guys, but like against the Chiefs, um, Broncos, and one other team. I don't know why it's not ringing a bell, but like they they did they did pretty well. Um, they were able to beat uh, Ravens, yeah, the Ravens where Joe Burrow went off, but they were able to obviously string together some type of consistency. I think um, the bang. I think the Raiders are. A team like of destiny. I don't think this will be a blowout. I think the Raiders will cover five and a half. I think it's a one possession game, but I think, like you said, I just think the Bengals are a more talented team. But the, I mean the like the Raiders honestly don't have many guys who have been in the playoffs either. But neither neither the neither do the Bengals. I think the Bengals are just more talented. I think like you could have said like they don't got the experience, but like the the Raiders don't really either. So. I think the Bengals come away with the win, but I think the Raiders keep it close and cover five and a half points. Yeah, you mentioned that experience thing, which is definitely beneficial if you ask me for the Bengals, that they do maybe avoid a head coach even who's a little more seasoned, right, and has some playoff experience. Instead, it's the Raiders led by Rich Versace, who's never even been a head coach. This is kind of 
uncharted territory for him. I do like you bringing that up for sure. That's a great point. Uh, we'll move on to our next game. The Patriots travel to Buffalo to play the Bills, another division game there. This is going to be the third time they're playing each other. They split the regular season matchup. The Bills are four-point favorites in this one, and I'm going to ride the Buffalo Bills in this one. I think they'll cover. Obviously, that means that means them winning this game. I think that the Buffalo Bills, that first game that they played the Patriots, I still stand by it. I mean, for them to play that close in those conditions, Definitely was a testament to how good of a football team they can be. They beat them then in New England a couple weeks later, which is what more I expect the matchup to be like rather than the first game. I know it's going to be cold in Buffalo this week, but I think the Patriots are playing, I don't want to say the wor- their worst football of the year because they weren't great like early in the year, especially when they dropped that game to the Saints, but they're kind of skidding a little bit down the stretch a little bit. They were obviously hot when they won, what, seven straight games in the middle of the season there. But they've definitely looked a lot more vulnerable over the past few weeks. Lost to the Colts, lost to the Bills, and then lost to the Dolphins this past week. I just, with Josh Allen at quarterback, I'm not going to go against him. I know I said to you earlier, I don't think the Bills are necessarily as good as they were last year. Or maybe they are just as good, but some people have maybe at least adapted to certain things. I don't necessarily know if a Super Bowl is on Buffalo's horizon. I think that they can. I think that you they have to be on their A game against all playoffs. I think the Patriots can give them a good fight. I don't think it's going to happen, though, this week. I think the Bills minus four in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, I know it's going to be a cold one in Buffalo. I think it's supposed to be, like, zero degrees, like, actually zero degrees. The field's going to be, like, negative. But, I don't know, I think that first game, obviously, like, it was just so windy. Mac Jones literally literally threw the ball three times. Um, Yeah, I just think, like, when these two teams play, the weather – obviously plays a factor and if like not even the cold just like wind wise if it's not like that bad I think it obviously favors the Buffalo Bills a team who likes to throw the ball more opposed to um opposed to the, the Patriots who, who like to lean on their defense and run game more so I think in this game at home in Buffalo I'm gonna ride with um Josh Allen and the Bills and I'm gonna take them minus four I just think the Patriots right now like that stretch that they went through like um like the middle to like, like basically like the middle of the season. Uh, it was like a pretty long stretch, and they were playing really good football. But I think ever since their bye week when they took on Indianapolis, like since then, it, it just like hasn't seemed the same. Like Mac Jones certainly has not played as good as he did during that like big winning streak. And I don't know, against like good teams right now, I, I they, they've been folding um a little bit so I think in this one on the road I don't think Mac Jones gets it done I think the Bills win and cover minus four okay moving on to our Sunday slate the first game will be the Philadelphia Eagles traveling to Tampa Bay to play the reigning Super Bowl champions the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the Buccaneers are eight and a half point favorites in this one I'll say this I think the Eagles looking at Dallas looking at the Rams and the Buccaneers they probably would have chosen to play the Buccaneers over the other three I mean Dallas blew them out both times they played this year, I know they didn't play a bunch of guys in the Week 18 matchup, and I think they were they played pretty tight against the Buccaneers on that Thursday night football game. The Buccaneers are also a little banged up. I don't think this is an upset spot. I don't think the Eagles beat the Buccaneers, but I think the Eagles keep it close enough to cover the eight and a half. And I think the Buccaneers, like yes, I know they're a great team and stuff like that, but without um, Antonio Brown, obviously, and his saga, Chris Godwin going down, they absolutely need Leonard Fournette this week, if you ask me, and really for the playoffs. Maybe they, maybe they can get by without him this week, but they won't go anywhere in the playoffs, if you ask me, if Leonard Fournette is not healthy. So depending on his health, too, that kind of, like, 
throws them in the air. I still think they're good enough to win this game, so I'll take them and Tom Brady, of course. But I do think the Eagles keep it close enough. I think they're a physical team. I, I don't necessarily know if they're going to be able to have tons of success running the ball on the Buccaneers, but if they can get on the to get onto the perimeter against them, maybe they have a chance. I don't. I don't really think so. But like I said, I think they can definitely keep this with at, at least a touchdown game. So I'll take them eight and a half with the Buccaneers to win. Yeah, I feel like this game. I can, just nothing against the Eagles, but like with Tom Brady playing like a, like Jalen Hurts never been in the playoffs. I think like at least to win the game, it's it's pretty tough to not pick the Buccaneers despite being without some guys. But yeah, I honestly agree. I think I think this game is like not a complete blowout. Like I think Philly keeps it somewhat close. So I'm gonna take um I'm gonna take. The Philly plus eight and a half, but I think the Buccaneers obviously win this game in Tampa. I just think obviously like there's, I don't see Tom Brady. I just don't see losing in the first round to uh, to Jalen Hurts. That's just it's just that simple. Uh, the the Buccaneers have been like they, their run defense still has been really good. It's been hasn't been as good as like last year, but I don't know how well the Eagles are gonna be able to run. I think Jalen Hurts is gonna have to have a monster game to. Um, if the Eagles somehow want to have a chance at this upset, and I just think he's not going to be able to perform like that great. So I'm going to take the Buccaneers, but um, the Eagles cover eight and a half. Okay, moving on to another NFC playoff matchup. The 49ers travel to Dallas to play the Cowboys. The Cowboys are three-point favorites in this one. Cows kind of spoiled my pick earlier in this one. I'm going to take the Niners plus three and to win the game in my first upset pick of the day so far. I mean, listen, I love the 49ers. I mentioned that they could beat anybody in the National Football League, especially when their run game is on. It's one of the best schemes in football. I think that they could be physical with Dallas. Now, Dallas is good at a lot of different places. Like, I think they can win in the air. They can beat you even on the ground. And their defense has been great this year. But I think the 49ers' creativity and what they can do on offense can do enough against that Cowboys defense. And I think defensively, too, the 49ers will be able to get after the Cowboys. I love the 49ers in this spot. I'm going to take them a little bit more season two in that sense with the roster. I mean, I shouldn't even say that to the Cowboys. Obviously, they haven't made the playoffs in, what, now a couple of years. But, uh, I mean, Mike McCarthy, obviously, being the head coach, a Super Bowl winning head coach, Kyle Shannon doesn't even have a ring. But I'm just saying, like, you know, like more recently, I guess I'll say the 49ers in that sense. A couple of these guys, Trayvon Diggs and Michael Parsons, to be an example, on that Cowboys defense, newer to the playoffs. So I'll stay with that there. But yeah, I'm going to go with the 49ers plus three to win the game in this one. Simple as that. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a really good, really good game. I think Dallas, um, over the years, just like, I know they beat like Seattle in, in a home playoff game a few years ago, but uh, I think. Traditionally, like recently, they 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 do not win big games. Uh, they they they've lost in the playoffs a lot. Like they haven't gotten that far. I think this Dallas team is kind of different, though. I think they're just like they are really like like you're gonna talk about talented uh teams. Like the Rams are up there. I'd say Dallas is right up there and like definitely in the in the top five, maybe even top three like talented rosters in the NFL. So I don't know. I think this will be a good one. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna side with the home team in this one. I think. The Dallas crowd should be rocking. Uh, I think this game is definitely a one possession game. See the three point, the three point spread. Like I hate taking like plus three, but Dallas to win. So I, honestly, yeah, I think I think this game settled by three points or less. I think so. I'll take the 49ers plus three, but I think Dallas at the end gets a gets a win here in front of their home crowd, and then 
if they take on the Packers next week, they, they probably take an L. But I think uh, Dallas gets this one playoff win uh, for their fans. Hey, listen, nothing against Dallas, too. I know sometimes I might have a little bit of a bias against them. If they were playing the Cardinals, I would have, I would have picked Dallas to beat them. I just think the 49ers are a real good football team. Simple mm-hmm. as that. Moving on to the last AFC game, the Steelers traveled to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. The Chiefs 12.5-point favorites in this one. I think these two teams played in Week 16, if I'm not mistaken, and the, I, I, this I'm not mistaken for. The Chiefs absolutely whooped the Steelers in this one. I think it's going to be a little different now. In this one, I mean, I'm not really, I don't really think any of these games are going to be complete blowouts, and I'm going to stay with it. I know that the Steelers offensively, it's a struggle, but I think that Mike Tomlin's too good of a coach to lose a playoff game by almost two touchdowns, especially in what could be what I think is going to be Big Ben's last game, because I do not think the Steelers will be victorious. I'll take the Chiefs to win. I'll take the Steelers to cover, especially with how good their defense can be. I know they weren't great a couple weeks ago against the Chiefs. Like I said, they're going to have to figure out a way to at least try to keep Mahomes on the sideline. They're going to need to find a creative way to score here and there. I think there's a, like I said, I think they can keep it close. And then who knows if your defense, like I said, can make a big play here and there. But I definitely think they'll keep it within the 12 and a half. I know the Chiefs can go crazy like they did a couple weeks ago. But to beat, I know it's tough to beat a team twice, right, in the same season, especially with how well coached the Pittsburgh Steelers are. I think Kansas City will, but I don't think they're going to have as easy of a time as they did earlier on. So I'll take Kansas City to win, but the Steelers to cover. Yeah, I've been thinking about that too. Like, I want to pick Kansas City minus twelve and a half because, like, I just think they're they're such a better team, which they obviously are. But like, Mike Tomlin is such a good head coach, and for these these two teams to play like under a month ago, and for the Steelers to get absolutely blown out, I think like it's tough to take the Chiefs. Like, again, I think football is obviously like a sport, like basketball. A lot is just relied on like. Your, your talent, like your guys, I think football, obviously, like game plans and schemes are really big. So I'll take the Steelers to cover plus 12 and a half. But I just think the Chiefs are such a better football team. I would not be surprised if this is another blow up, but I'm just going to give my respects to Mike Tomlin and how good of a head coach he is. So I'll take the Steelers plus 12 and a half, but like, I, I don't think the Steelers win this game. I don't know. You see, Big Ben's already like saying they got no chance per, trying to pull the reverse psychology out here. But, like, I don't even think that works. I just think the Chiefs are so much better. I'll take the Chiefs to win, but the Steelers cover uh, 12 and a half. Yeah, I mean, you kind of alluded to it earlier a little bit in that. Like, I think the Chiefs are 12 and a half point favorite. Better. Like, they're better. Like, like, honestly, they're more than two touchdowns better than the Steelers, if you ask me. Honestly, I just think they're that much better. But the Chiefs aren't even rolling, if you ask me, too. Whereas, like, in week 16, I feel like they were clicking. And then kind of Cincinnati, they slowed down a little bit. And then, obviously, that week 18 game against Denver, it was pretty close to the end. Uh, the last game, the Monday Night Football game, another divisional battle. The Cardinals traveled to Los Angeles to play the Rams. The Rams are four-point favorites here. I'll keep this short and sweet. Uh, Sean McVay has Cliff Kingsbury figured out. Cliff Kingsbury's teams have just, like, not been it in the second half through his tenure in Arizona, even this year, too. The Cardinals started, what, 7-0 this year, and then look at their second half of the season. wasn't too great. They split the regular season match of the Rams. I remember they caught the Cardinals caught the Rams off that win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, kind of a letdown spot for the Rams there when the Cardinals took advantage of it. But, yeah, I'm going to take the Rams minus four here. I just think they're a better team everywhere. I think there's a severe coaching um, difference in this game. This is Yeah, this is going to be Kingsbury's first playoff game too I, I I absolutely love the Rams here in this spot I don't see any way honestly the Cardinals win yeah I mean I think the Rams definitely 
win this game. I don't know, like by how many points. I think, I don't, I think Kyler Murray will, um, will put up a fight against, against this Rams team, but I just think like the Rams obviously, um, what, beat them the last time they played. I think the Cardinals are, I know they beat Dallas, but besides that, like they're kind of, kind of coming into the playoffs a little, little, in a little bit of a slump. A little bit might be an understatement. They've really not played well at all. So yeah, I'm going to take the Rams minus four actually. I think, uh, yeah, I just think the Rams are a really good football team. I think Matthew Stafford, like down the stretch, he's thrown, thrown a decent amount of interceptions, but I don't know. I think he, he's obviously like a talented, really good quarterback in this league. So I think at least in this one, I think it gets the job done in the Rams cover minus four. Yeah, that could definitely scare some people off. I think that the chance that Stafford could maybe throw a pick six or something like that. But when Rashad Penny and the Seahawks are playing for nothing and Penny ran for almost 190 yards or something like that against the Cardinals, I don't even want to know what Sean McVay and his run scheme is going to do to that Cardinals defense. So that's another thing there. I mean, I didn't say it earlier, but yeah, I shout out Rashad Penny real quick. I mean, the guy was unbelievable. Finally, really, I mean, it took a while. I think he was 2018. He was drafted in the first round out of San Diego State. Good for him finally getting going for the Seattle Seahawks and stuff like that in the lost season for them. But I didn't want to forget Rashad Penny. I can't believe I forgot it earlier. But that's going to do it for our NFL portion of the show and our game picks. Hopefully, we're perfect on that. Our playoff bracket stays at 100%, and we can move on to next week, right, and uh, get it going from there. Core, moving on to the college side of things. Obviously, the big game is all we're going to really be talking about. Georgia is your 2021 college football champions. They beat Alabama. On Monday night, I mean, the writing was kind of on the wall. If you ask me, Georgia was the best team all year, it looked like, aside from that one week that they played Alabama in December. And, I mean, it was evident. I know the score, the final score at 33-18 doesn't really tell the whole story because because of a late pick six. It was low scoring the whole game, really. Georgia's defense was unbelievable. They were able to neutralize Bryce Young all day. I don't really think Bryce Young got the help, if you ask me, that he probably expected. I think losing Jamison Williams was backbreaking for Alabama, especially because they were already without John Mechie. But I'll give credit where credit's due to Georgia's defense. Like I said, they were great against the Heisman quarterback. And Stetson Bennett got the job done. A lot of guys, a lot of people didn't think that Bennett could. And I mean, he was unreal. That touchdown drive that they had to match Alabama's touchdown drive that was before was unbelievable, especially that was the drive too after he fumbled. I mean, for a walk-on, like I said, to lead Georgia to a national championship, an unreal story for Stetson Bennett, and a really an overall great season for the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, I mean, I was like, I know I was texting you about it. I was like, how is Alabama underdog in this one? Like, I think, I think Vegas was like right on this. Just like over the course of the year, Georgia was like the best team in football, and the only reason the spread was only two and a half was because how. Alabama um, pretty much tore apart Georgia in the SEC championship game. I think, obviously, like, this game was, was kind of like a dull game at first, like a lot of defensive battles on both sides. It was like, which offense is going to be able to get to the finish line? I just think Alabama losing Jamison Williams in the second quarter definitely definitely hurt them. I know, obviously, like, you got you got five stars, four stars, like, coming in the game if you're Alabama. But, like, Jameson Williams, obviously a top 10 pick. Unfortunately, suffered a torn ACL. I hope he's um doesn't hurt his draft stock too much and he's good um for next season. But, yeah, losing him 
definitely, you could tell, hurt Alabama on the offensive side. They really didn't have a true, like, deep threat or a go-to guy. They were feeding, like, Slade Bolden and obviously some guys who came in the game who I didn't really know that much. But, yeah, I mean, Georgia's defense in this one, the, those guys are just absolute dogs, uh, able to to get after Bryce Young for most of that game. Bryce Young did not have that much time to throw. Stetson Bennett clearly had more time to throw in that and that touchdown he had to uh what was his last name again? Oh, I forgot. Um you know, I can't I can't number it was number five though. Yeah yeah in the end zone obviously I forgot to in the end zone um was one hell of a throw and that was basically like the turning point of this game. I don't George didn't really look back. Um after that they took yeah they took the lead I think yeah, it was nineteen to eighteen at that point. And then Alabama really couldn't get much going on the offensive side of the ball. And then Bryce Young throws a pick six. Yeah, I mean, I know Nick Saban just said that, like, yeah, um, Georgia in the second half, like, whooped them, basically. So, hey, uh, hats off to Georgia in this one. They were the best team all year. And as much, like, watching this game, like, Stetson Bennett was kind of getting me annoyed. Like, I got to respect the guy, a walk-on. Um, he's gone through a lot, like a junior college player. Uh Good for him to get a national championship win under his belt. But, yeah, I think next year um, both these teams obviously will be good. But I think Alabama um, should be the odds-on favorite next year. And, obviously, they will with Bryce Young coming back. Will Anderson on the defensive side of the ball. But, yeah, this was a good national championship game. And, yeah, I mean, Georgia, best team all year, comes out on top. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just very upset in myself that I kind of fell in to just like the Alabama name and of course Bryce Young and stuff like that when it was so clearly Georgia and how dominant they were and honestly Georgia too they were playing with a chip on their shoulder and like you said uh when Nick Saban was saying about how Georgia he was just like you guys whooped us in the fourth in the fourth quarter they did Georgia just wanted it so much more it was so obvious whereas Alabama just kind of looked like they just had like no wind in their cell like they just look kind of a little out of it in a sense which is such a bummer too because I thought Alabama like I think what Alabama had to do, if you ask me, was working even too at some points in this game was to attack Georgia vertical. They were, Georgia was letting them throw six yard, seven yard passes underneath early on in the game. But when you consistently take away that big play from Alabama, how explosive they've been all year, you know what I mean? It kind of hurts them. So with no Jamison Williams or no John Metchie, you mentioned they have a bunch of five stars. None of these guys, though, really, these underclassmen have a lot of reps with Bryce Young. So to kind of not be able to take a bunch of those shots is disappointing. I know there were a couple drops. I thought that a couple guys could have made some plays for Bryce Young, made his life a little easier, but that's what happens. You know what I mean? It is what it is. I'm sure Bryce Young, I know, in the postgame press conference, he kind of took it a little hard, him and Will Anderson as well. I Also, I don't know if you saw it too, like Saban kind of told them to sit down and then said like a minute-long speech on like how great they were too. I mean, again, it just goes to show you why Nick Saban is the greatest coach of all time in the college football world. I mean, for again, for somebody, uh, for a coach to, again, just like rephrase it. Everybody knows, obviously, how great those two players are and stuff like that. But, I mean, for those two guys probably have never experienced a loss like that. I mean, they definitely have never experienced a loss like that in their football career. So, for that, it was definitely uh, unbelievable, of course, job by Nick Saban, a class act. And that's why he is the best. And that's why everybody wants to play for him. I mean, another guy in Alabama who I thought had a great game. I mean, Will Anderson on one side, he was relentless on their defense. Dallas Turner is like a true freshman, number 15. He was unreal. I mean, those three guys coming back for Alabama next year are going to be crazy. Jamison Williams, you mentioned earlier, hopefully he can get healthy for the draft. I'm sure he's still going to enter it 
Uh, he'll still be a first round pick, even with the injury, but hopefully it doesn't make, uh, hurt his stock for the long term. And really, hopefully he gets back. But enough with Alabama. More credit to George, obviously, with that huge win, their first national championship in almost 40, in 40 years, maybe 41 years to be exact. Uh, yeah, I mean, they got a, no pun intended, they got a couple dogs on that team, obviously. Jordan Davis on their defense, Nicobe Dean, uh, James Cook at the running back too. Uh, the both the Walkers on defense too. I mean that team is unbelievable. You're going to see a ton of those guys fly off the boards come April in the NFL draft. They just played with incredible game speed and stuff like that. I know that clip too is going around about Nicobe Dean with like the uh, like one of his linebackers got in his way or whatever on the play, and he's kind of just like pre teach coaching him up like come on like you got to wake up and then the next play that linebacker forces Bryce Young out of the pocket and forces him on a throwaway. So again. When you have what you would call, when you have players like that, you have a real special culture in Georgia. So tip of the cap to Kirby Smart, finally getting over the hump, beating Nick Saban for the first time and winning a national championship, bringing one to Georgia. Good, good year so far for the Atlanta, what you would call it, for the Atlanta, Georgia fans right there. You know what I mean? The Atlanta Braves, Georgia Bulldogs. You'd think that Atlanta Braves fans, probably Georgia Bulldog fans. You'd think so. Uh, why can't you bring that to us, right, Cor? I would love that success. But we'll move on to our final story in the college football world. We'll do this real quick. This episode's kind of getting a little long, but we mentioned Jim Harbaugh potentially leaving for the NFL earlier. It's definitely gaining a lot of traction. Look, this could be all a money grab by his agent. I think it's definitely possible for that to be. But at the same time, watching Michigan football this year and like just seeing it, like Harbaugh, if he would have left after last year, everybody would have said that Michigan football like under him was a failure. He couldn't even go back to his alma mater and win anything. Like, it's a mess. But if Harbaugh were to leave after this year, the narrative now has completely changed. It took a little longer than we expected, but you know what? He finally did it. He brought a Big Ten title to Ann Arbor. He got a college football playoff berth. And, yes, he didn't win the playoff game, but he went against the uh, the eventual national champions. You know what I mean? They were just overmatched. Overall, it was – you know, I I know it's crazy to think how – like. It was a success, the Harbaugh era, basically, at Michigan after what he accomplished this year. So I don't think it's crazy to think now that he he would jump into the NFL. Whereas if he goes back next year, I mean, Ohio State, they're absolutely loaded. And even, like, say they win 10 games next year. You're going to probably say that's, like, a little bit of a disappointing season considering where they were this year. And then it's almost like the narrative then changes on Harbaugh. You know what I mean? I think it's a perfect time if he wants to leave Michigan right now for his legacy there to leave after this year for what he accomplished. I think it'd be upsetting for all the recruits, obviously. I know that team was special this year with Aiden Hutchinson as the focal leader there, but I think it's very realistic to see Harbaugh leave for an NFL job. I know he's definitely going to get a ton of consideration at some places. Obviously, his success with the San Francisco 49ers earlier in the decade is was unbelievable. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what Harbaugh's future holds. If he ends up leaving Michigan, I'll definitely be upset for the program, but who knows? It might be to my New York Giants. So while one team loses a big piece, another one gains one. But yeah, I mean, a little upsetting for Hardball potentially. But again, at the same time, it could just all be a money grab to get more money from the University of Michigan, which is good negotiating by his agent. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I think if he is going to leave, like you said, I think this is a good spot because like Michigan obviously is pretty big time, but it's not like it's like Nick Saban at Alabama, like Alabama loses in the national championship this year. And then next year, like probably they are the favorites to win the, uh, 
to, to, to win the college football playoff. But, like, Michigan is a team who who is good, but, like, they really don't – like, them making the college football playoff is not, like, Alabama or, like, Ohio State or, like, even, like, Clemson when they have, like, Trevor Lawrence. Like, it's not, like, it's guaranteed. Like, it doesn't really come that often. I'm not saying they can't do it again. But, like, this was probably Michigan's best season in a pretty long time. And Harbaugh has had a lot of seasons with, like, it ending in some type of disappointment. So, yeah, like, I think it's just, like, I think, like, it's not like, it's obviously not like Nick Saban, like, for him to take this team to the college football playoff as number two seed, obviously lost to Georgia, the uh, eventual champions. I think if he is going to go, would be a good, a good spot to leave. Cause like, I'm saying, th- I'm saying like, I think there's almost like Michigan ceiling. Like I don't think Michigan next year is, is making it past the semifinals of the college football playoff, getting to the college football playoff and winning a championship. Like they could, but I don't think, that's going to happen. So I think if Harbaugh wants to leave, I think this is almost similar to just like, I know he lost in the playoff, but like, it's kind of like going out on top. Cause I think like he got this Michigan team this year, like as far as I think they're going to like really make it in the next few years, unless like a lot of like talented five stars just instantly come in. So yeah, I think if Harbaugh is going to go, I think this would be a good year for him to leave. I think, Harbaugh, throughout his years, I know, like, last year, at least, um, had a lot of, like, negativity to his name. But I think after this year, his name certainly gets more, like, praise, some more, like, respect to it for what he did and um, led this, like, coach his team to the college football playoffs. So, yeah, no, with the 49ers, he was pretty good. I don't know what teams in the NFL um, are interested in him. But, yeah, like, a post, like, I think this, like I said, I think this is a, a good spot for him to almost like leave out on top and go to the NFL if he's going. If not, he could stay at Michigan and uh, continue to do his best there. Yeah, I know Harbaugh started in college, so I believe he coached at San Diego State, and then he went to Stanford, jumped to the NFL, and then went back to Michigan. But I don't know. Harbaugh always felt like more of an NFL guy than a college coach, if you ask me. I don't know. I don't know what it is about him. Sometimes you get the feeling, you know what I mean, with some of these guys who jump from the college to the NFL. And you're like, eh, like he's more of a college guy. Eh, he's more of an NFL guy. You know what I mean? So I think Harbaugh to the NFL would be fitting in that sense. I mean, he was, a, like I said, he was a former quarterback of the Chicago Bears even who have a head coaching vacancy. So that will definitely be a spot, I'm sure, that he'll get interviewed for. I know the Miami Dolphins, too, their owner is a Michigan alum, so I'm sure for that, Jim Harbaugh will be brought into. There's probably an obvious connection between the two there. So I'm excited to see, at least for him, what his future holds. And for the University of Michigan and their football program, it could potentially, again, be a, a new an offseason with a new coach at the helm. But, uh, yeah, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. But with that, core, that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the default underscore. Core, anything you kind of want to leave off with? Basically the same as, uh, same as usual, pale, just like obviously playoff. I mean, college football season basically over. So I think these NFL playoffs, in my opinion, are going to be, uh, really good. I think a lot of, a lot of different teams, like a lot of different arguments could go far in the playoffs. So I think this week should be, uh, a pretty thrilling week in, uh, in football. Yeah.
Yeah, for sure. Sorry to almost cut you off there, but it's all, it's playoff time. Come on now. I know this episode's a little longer, but that's what happens when the stakes are higher. The episodes get longer and the debates get hotter. For the college football season, that's it for it. I mean, an unbelievable year. We saw a lot of change up even in the top four. Obviously, a different champion in years past in Georgia, which was good. So I'm excited for the 2022 season. I already can't wait. Keep an eye on the portal and stuff like that. And already get ready for some of these prospects we watched all year to get ready for the NFL draft. I'm excited for that. But first quarter, we got to get through the NFL playoffs. We got an awesome wild card slate, like we mentioned. So uh, yeah, enjoy football Saturday, Sunday, and Monday night. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.